Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. We have a jam-packed night. Three episodes, three teams we're previewing for the 2023 Major League Soccer season, starting with Colorado Rapids. Thank you for tuning in. By now, a lot of you out there know what we're up to. 29 teams, 29 days. We're previewing every team in Major League Soccer and bringing on experts for each one to talk about last season, previewing this season, some roster changes. We have it all here at IED Sports. And we have the wonderful Matt Pollard from Last Word on Sports here to help us out today. He's been a guest multiple, multiple times. Always has great, insightful things to say. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Um, it's dark and cold now here in Denver. I'm going skiing this weekend, but you know, a couple more weeks and it's going to get into not quite spring soccer weather, but certainly ready for the season to get started. Super busy off season for the Rapids. Very disappointing season. And I think they're going to be much better in 2023. Love to hear it because they were a little bit boring last year. <laughs> yes. Uh, to, to, to put it mildly, that that's like the kind way of saying it. Let us know where we can find your work, Matt. Yeah, so you can find my general MLS content over at lastwordonsports.com, Rapid specifically over at burgundywave.com, and if you like me in auditory form rather than in written content, holding the Highline podcast with Rabbi and Red. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Assume most people uh, who are watching this video are Major League Soccer fans or Major League Soccer interested. What do we need to know about team culture ownership about the Colorado Rapids? Uh, the Colorado Rapids are owned by Kroenke Sports and Entertainment. Arsenal fans will be familiar with them. St. Louis NFL fans will be <clears throat> familiar with them. They don't spend a whole lot of money on the Rapids. The Rapids are the kind of the, you know, disgruntled stepchild of the KSC family. But they've got a hardworking group at the front office coaching staff and at the head coaching level. Porrick Smith has been trying his own level of analytics and money balling as the general manager of the Colorado Rapids with mixed but generally positive and ever improving results. And they've done that more on the international level than domestically this past offseason. They're a hardworking team. They're all about the team. There's a lot of really interesting characters, albeit not a whole lot of high skill, lots of highlight reel players and everything. That makes them one that's endearing to local Rapids fans, but certainly to other fan bases that are looking for one big star player like a Hani Mukhtar, a, um, a Carlos Vela. The Rapids don't have that. What they do have is a lot of other good things in their club culture around them and being a little bit of an underdog fighting spirit. Nobody believes in us team. Absolutely. And they have been up and down in the past few seasons. I've always kind of been a Colorado Rapids truther. I was on you guys before the last two seasons when you were playing good football, but it kind of came apart last year. 11 wins, 10 draws, 13 losses. Only 46 goals scored, 47 conceded. That's a minus 11 goal differential. What happened last season? <clears throat> Injuries, uh, departures in key positions with less than ideal replacements at those positions. Sure. Um, and I think just generally them being taken very seriously as a team. You know, it was right up and through that playoff game um, on Thanksgiving against Portland Timbers, you know, when there were players in the locker room saying nobody still believes in us. The Rapids went a whole season top in the Western Conference, potentially had an opportunity to host MLS Cup if New England and get there. And even then in the playoff game, they still felt like they were being disrespected or not taking seriously. Everyone took them very seriously in 2022. 
They had, I would argue, injuries to four uh, potential serious first-team players at various different positions that completely destroyed their depth. And then you talk about in the month of January, loaning out Cole Bassett for his, uh, you know, one year that he spent in the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. He's a better player now, but obviously they missed him in the midfield. They sold Kellen Acosta, which is still maybe the one big domestic trade that Porrick Smith has that still kind of befuddles me and obviously doesn't look very good. Kellen was good at the World Cup for the United yeah, States. He, he obviously won MLS Cup for uh, LAFC, so good for Kellen in that regard. And they didn't have a whole lot of pieces there. A few other injuries and in that everything just kind of falls apart. They're healthy this year. They've got new depth. They've got young players. Cole Bassett is coming back as well. They should be a much better team this season. And one of the interesting things I found, uh, 2.06 points per game at home, 0.47 points per game away one of the best um, that that is the biggest home away uh split in major league soccer and you know part of that is colorado rapids you're playing at altitude there's a different uh fitness level different oxygen intake kind of thing going on talk about why you have such a great home field advantage um Altitude's a really big deal here in Colorado, and it's something the club has certainly leaned in from a style of play standpoint, from a sports science standpoint, how they try to manage that. And they've tried to take really good advantage of that. That goes back to in terms of when they were building this out and really trying to make hashtag strength at altitude a thing predates COVID. They did a very good job with that. If I can comment on the road form, Bob, you know, it's just uh, lots of little mistakes that I think unfortunately got punished every single, you know, they could make a mistake at home and they could recover from it or deal with that particular play in that moment. They had a lot of really bad howlers on the road that kind of had that and obviously led to their first road win wasn't until I think August of last year. And that was the crazy Tuesday night five, four win against a rotated New York Red Bulls team. So an exciting first road win, but you know, you combine bad yellow cards that then lead to penalties that then those get converted. That was really bad. They had an opportunity to get a win. I think in April or May of last year, um, right at the death, uh, William Yarbrough on a goal kick punts it straight to a Houston player and they come out on a counterattack and it ends in a one, one draw lots of little details. The Colorado Rapids could have done a lot better in last year. That's something they acknowledged last season. That's something they're working on and going to be better for in 2023. That's something they were very good in 2021. Again, if they clean up those little things, you see a 10% improvement there combined with the extra depth players coming in and the team being healthier, massive improvement in this team. I do not think this team is far off from being a very good team in the Western conference. I would mostly agree with that sentiment. Let's take a look at the top contributors from last season. Yeah. Diego Rubio, 16 goals, five assists. Just do Diego doing what Diego does. Jesse Zardes, nine goals, two assists. Jonathan Lewis off the bench, five goals, two assists. Abubakar, four goals, one assist. And Michael Barrios with two goals and six assists. When you look at this chart, Matt, what comes to mind right away? Um, D- Diego Rubio was almost was MVP dark horse candidate in what he did last season. He was the straw that stirred the drink for the Rapids. He started out up top as a false nine center forward, was very dangerous, created opportunities for himself, facilitated offense for other players as well. Jossie's artist comes in. I think a decent return, not good enough to where I think the Rapids would have been willing to pay what ultimately Austin are willing to pay for him. Sure. Good for him. Jossie, you know, go be happy in Austin uh, playing with Sebastian Driussi. Just don't score against the Rapids as far as I'm concerned. And Rubio continued to be effective in a midfield role, and he was fantastic. You know, Jonathan Lewis kind of up and down. <clears throat> that was kind of the – that was that was everybody else the Rapids were dealing with from an attacking standpoint. Just sure. didn't have a great season or was a little bit inconsistent. I'm not super disappointed in 
the drop-off that we saw from Michael Barrios, who is fantastic for the team in 2021. He's over 30 now. He's transitioning into a super sub role and everything. If you were to tell me I could get eight goal contributions from him, mostly being a bench player this year, I'd probably take it given the other players they've brought in as well. And Lal Sububakar was kind of the one bright spot you had in what was a really big downturn for the team from a set pieces standpoint. You had Jack Price miss the majority of the season. He had a calf injury and then a punctured lung and a cracked rib as well that had him out for a while. Brian Acosta did many okay things from a holding midfielder standpoint. Jack Price is still, for me, one of the top three corner kick takers that you have for the Rapids this season. Without him, the service wasn't as good. Lawless was the only one who really was able to get in on that. Danny Wilson had a down year in many ways, including from an offensive standpoint. So again, Jack Price improves from a set-piece standpoint. We should see another five-goal contributions from Alves Bubakar. Danny Wilson should be going full Scottish Salmon. And Andreas Maxu should be getting on the score sheet as well. I, I like what you have to say, but those are a lot of ifs. Those are a lot of yes. contingencies that need to come correct. Let's first talk about the players on their way out. And this is kind of including the 2022 season. You guys had saw some midseason turnover. Maybe we haven't covered it since the beginning of last season. Mark Anthony K. He's out. Uh, Jesse Zardes. Uh, he's now with Austin. Nicholas Mizkaida. Uh, Clint Irwin, Cole Bassett, Austin Trusty. These are all guys that we might have talked about. Um, Drew Moore uh, retiring. Um, these are all moves from tw- you know the beginning of the 2022 season. What do you miss the most? Um, I maybe I, I miss Drew Moore being around in his veteran leadership. Not sure. necess- he, he wasn't playing a whole lot. He wasn't going to play a whole lot this season if he was still under contract. But he's one of the glue guys in the locker room. He understands and appreciates the club. And he can kind of rally the troops around and be that emotional force as well. I think they've replaced him decently enough so far. But I will miss Drew- I'll miss Drew Moore in the same way that I think any MLS fan of a team will be missing one of their legends who should have a number retired and get a testimonial and all of those things. So I miss Drew Moore. Um, I think certainly the team missed Cole Bassett and some of his link up play and what he could do in tight spaces and his pressing and kind of his fight and his energy. Obviously they have him back. Now you have Connor Ronan, who's familiar with Jack Price and raved about the time that they spent at Wolverhampton Wanderers together. So again, I think that's replaced even for what it's lost. And, you know, really while Austin trustee was fantastic in 2021, he clearly, I think was checked out once the move to Arsenal was confirmed and trying to not get hurt for everything that happened there. That made made Robin Frazier's three-man back line weaker at the time, and they didn't really have a center-back replacement after that despite bringing in a couple of guys. Nobody was really able to settle that. And so I think with the... Um, with some of the players improving this coming season, as we've seen with most young players under head coach Robin Frazier, they're better in year two at the Rapids than they are in year one at the Rapids. And the other acquisitions at positions of weakness they have, I think they can get better. So to your point, Bob, there's a lot of if, buts, and maybes here that we're talking about. But, you know, we're talking, if we're talking, you know, I've got 10 coin flips here that need to happen. And if five of them happen, the Rapids are a much better team than last year. I like my odds. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Very well explained. Now, well, let's talk about some of those additions that you made during the offseason. I guess um, top top of the list would be Kevin Cabral. Um, there's also a couple of players whose names I know I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Andres uh, Maxo. Maxu. Maxu. That's exactly yeah. how I just pronounced it. Um, let's talk about the incoming players. Yeah. So let, let's start up top with Kevin Cabral. This is maybe, I think, the 
highest ups. This is the biggest risk, biggest reward that we've seen from the Rapids approach of bringing in distressed assets from MLS. You mentioned Mark Anthony K coming in, leaving less than a year later after that. You're talking about Kellen Acosta, obviously, who was fantastic for the Rapids, and they've since moved in on him. You know, Kevin Cabral was getting booed by home LA Galaxy supporters. His finishing wasn't particularly great. I think there was a lot of stigma around him just holding a DP tag and holding that transfer fee price around him that had expectations given what the LA Galaxy's aspirations were. The Rapids got him on a cheap deal. They're bringing in a player who clearly has a point to prove, who's going to be the focal point of the attack. We've seen what Worldy Harris, effectively the offensive coordinator, striker coordinator for the Colorado Rapids, has been able to do with Diego Rubio, with Jossie Zardes, uh, with Brian Galvan, with uh, with Jonathan Lewis. So I think you see an improvement there, but there's a lot of expectations and hype around Cabral. The two big things for me, what position are we going to see him play? He can play anywhere in the front three. Uh, does he play up top so Rubio can be in the midfield? Does he play on the left wing where he was most played at the LA Galaxy? All good questions that Robin Frazier hopefully has an answer to before February 26th against the Sounders. And then he was consistently good both in France and at the Galaxy in creating high quality chances both for himself and then off of link up play from other teammates. But finishing wasn't really there. And if you look at other Rapids players historically, Jonathan Lewis can be inconsistent. Michael Barrios has ebbs and flows as well. And Diego Rubio's coming off of a fantastic two and a half-ish year stretch as well. But even then, he's proven to be in consistent throughout his MLS career as well. So that's maybe the biggest area that I have concerns there, that the Rapids don't have a consistent finisher or a track record of doing that to where they can maybe be X goal XG merchants, as we saw with the United States best national team. Sure, sure. Mixed results, as we saw for Jesse Marston, Leeds United, not good enough if you're not putting them in. Moving on to the other guys, I think defensively, certainly the back line is rebuilt and the spine of the team. If you're talking about the midfield, the center backs, and the back line as a whole, Connor Roan, as I mentioned, coming in very familiar with Jack Price. They played for uh, Wolves together for two years, can play any one of those three positions in the midfield. I think he steps in and starts next to Cole Bassett. That immediately is a better midfield than you had last season. Of with course. Brian Acosta, yeah. Colin Warner, and whoever else was making up that other third spot. And so Max- let's get into let's get into talking about the depth chart a little bit. Let me pull it up. Uh, we made these nice graphics. Might as well use them. Um, you got Kevin Cabral at left wing, Diego Rubio at um, center forward, and Brian Galvant at right wing. Now there's a lot of depth there. You have Jonathan Lewis out on the left wing also with Kevin Cabral. Um, Jonathan Lewis has been spectacular off the bench, and we've kind of been wondering when is it his turn. Does he get a turn or is he going to just say, hey, you're great as a super sub, you're staying as a super sub, you're a relief pitcher now? I think he gets a turn. Robin Frazier loves to tinker with the lineup and little nuances depending on what's going on with the opponent. So if particular, if there's something about Kevin Cabral's skill set that they really like matched up 1v1 with the opposing team's left back, then Cabral could play on the left. As I mentioned earlier, you could have Cabral up top and Diego Rubio in the midfield. So this is my general, how I think the season's going to start just to be clear listeners. Um, there's been, you know, some talk about whether it's Yappi or Calvin Harris that eventually move into the number nine role. There's a lot of conversations we could have, Bob, we could spend a whole hour on just what, what would the Raptors sure. do differently between a back three and a back four, if they wanted to go Maxu Wilson and Abubakar, or with what they have right now, which would be a pass happy team. If they wanted to go more physical at the back, then you could have Brian Acosta in midfield next to Jack Price, and you could have a Bubakar in for Wilson. There's a lot of there's a lot of plug and play opportunities sure. on the net hole. Jonathan Lewis, I think, will be 
more often a bench player than a starter. If he's not playing on the right wing, he'll still get 10 plus starts. I still think he can easily play 1500 minutes as well. It'll just matter about situationally. Kevin Cabral is a better player than Jonathan Lewis. Lewis can still be fantastic for 20 minutes at altitude against a team that's completely out of gas. Absolutely. Now, when we move to the midfield, here's where I like to kind of talk about tactics. What are the midfielders expected to do? Here we have not really a center midfield kind of thing, but we have, you know, Cole Bassett, more of a number 10-ish. Um, Ronan is more of a number eight. And Jack Price is Jack Price. Yes. <laughs> um, Jack Price is going to lead the line, be uh, the guy who mainly has the ball at his feet distributing it, and he's going to be bone crunching, and he's going to yell at what the other players are doing. Cole Bassett is going to uh, be play with his hair on fire, run around, chase the ball, create transition plays, and then ultimately get into the box after the ball is already there. And Connor Rowan's going to be your utility midfielder, probably the closest parallel you had to Kellen Acosta in 2021 doing a little bit of everything. I'm really excited to see it. I think all three of these guys can do a bunch of different things well, and I think their skill sets match up well to have a much better and more physical, bitey midfield that has been known and been successful for the Rapids. And what I love is the depth. Every guy here has a clear sub. Bassett, you know, you have Galvin and maybe Barrios gets a couple extra starts. You have Ronan, you have Ralph Preso, the kid from uh, Toronto who has looked spectacular in bursts. In bursts. And I'll, I'll, you know, a little, maybe a little inconsistent. Uh, Brian Acosta, you know, for coming for Jack Price. Just, you have a lot of, of depth there at midfield. You have a lot of different, um, you know, little, you have the ingredients. You can cook up a lot of different, uh, different looks there let's move to the back line now what are the fullbacks expected to do in the four-man back line in the four-man back line they'll bomb forward be, be be a little bit less physical generally speaking the rapids have liked to have their left back go forward a little bit more so think about what sam Bynes was doing um you had um lucas estevez who was doing that last year and keegan rosenberry is closer to your stay at home back line so very sure. easily bob we could move gersh back almost into the midfield as well and then move to a back three with rosenberry on the right so you'll see a little bit of everything from them the question is how aggressive will they be in a back four much more aggressive especially at home in a road game say at seattle on the on february 26th i think they'll move back a little bit more and again very easily you could put abubakar you could put gustavo viasia who we haven't mentioned in there and create a back three with maxo and maxu and wilson and then at that point keegan rosenberry and gershback are full-on wing backs trying to be antagonistic and they have a winger partner to pair with them as well um, which could make for some interesting matchups and in behind the back line, you have William Yarbrough, a guy who played 3,023 minutes for the Rapids last season. What does he mean to this team? Um, he's a leader and a very good organizer of the defense. I think the, the certainly the, the jury's out that he's not an elite shot stopper at this point. He, like many players for the Rapids, had a down year from 2022 relative to 2021. My question is, can he bounce back? And with a better defense in front of him, can he be the communicator leader that kind of organizes that back line to prevent fires rather than putting out fires? When you have Jack Price injured, when Danny Wilson has a down year, when you don't have that defensive structure in front of everybody the rapids don't do very good at putting out fires they do a very good job of preventing them jack price healthy a much better midfield much better fullback options maxu in front of yarbrough yarbrough the biggest thing that he's going to be doing is talking to the other teammates to ultimately prevent stuff win the ball back and then distribute it out to the wing backs to the midfielders to the wingers I love what you said about putting out fires against, you know, stopping fires from spreading. I think it was Paolo Maldini, one of my all-time favorites, who said, 
if you need to make a tackle, you've already done something wrong. Yes. So that's what I see here. Now, imagine uh, I'm watching Rapids for one of the first times, and a lot of people don't watch the Rapids very often. You're kind of in a weird time zone over there, kind of between the East Coast and the West Coast games. What would you expect to see from tactics coaching from that perspective? Uh, a team that likes to do a little bit of pressing, a team that will be a possession team pinging out balls 20, 30-yard passes, especially at home, and a team that ultimately is going to function as a collective, no individuals more important than the team, and they're going to try and work together to break opponents down and break them down physically. They love playing set pieces, so if you're all in on those set piece orgies and everything, the Rapids are absolutely a team to watch. Like I said, they don't have a distinct star as well, but if you're, you know, if you want to watch a collective team play together and for each other there are very few better options you have in mls than the colorado rapids love it the the sum of the parts is greater than the whole or the whole of the parts is greater than the sum you guys know what i'm talking about (laughs) what are some storylines to follow this season what should i be keeping my eye on every week week in and week out Is, is there anything that we you know expect going on in 2023 um, I think there's a lot of really fun, interesting options from a U.S. national team standpoint with this club. Obviously, you've got Cole Bassett, who's coming back from his year at the um, in the Netherlands with some lessons learned and mostly a not a whole lot of playing time. I think he has a point to prove, so he's going to have revenge energy. Does that put him back in the echelon of being one of the best up-and-coming MLS players as far as Americans sure. are concerned? Does that mean that European clubs start taking an interest? Maybe not this summer, but certainly by next year as well. And then from a striker standpoint, Darren Yappi's looked fantastic for the U-17s and he's looked really really good in preseason does he have a breakout year where finally he's on the radar for a lot of other USMNT people you know the most people who generally watch MLS know who Cade Cowell at San Jose is for example I don't know that a lot of people have heard of Darren Yappi that's my question that I'm kind of waiting to see and you know do we see Kevin Cabral bounce back and maybe prove something wrong about what was his situation with the LA Galaxy and fundamentally this is a team coming in that spent most of last season and pissed off and disappointed about what wasn't happening and is using 2023 to rectify what they know they were capable of and did in 2021 and what they were unable to do in 2022. Revenge energy, kind of a fun narrative and everything. Everybody pissed off, kind of a physical team. They love playing spoilers and Seattle Sounders and the LA teams are right there. I love it. Um, you know, Kevin Cabral, what what a terrible season. I mean, this is just a guy who consistently, I mean, he'll get into the spot on the field where no one else does. He'll get the ball. He has that skill. It's just, I mean, it's the finishing, man. You got to aim between mm-hmm. the sticks, not, 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 not outside. Rough to watch. Um, let's do some quick hit questions. That's kind of how we're going to finish up today's episode. What's the biggest strength of this team? Um, their togetherness and their physicality and their depth. Well, I, okay, I guess that's a bunch of different strikes. Um, they, they function as a team um, and they have a very good club culture where it's like a one big family and then everybody's together literally rowing in the same direction in the boat. Biggest weakness? Um, finishing, as I mentioned. They don't have a star player who can put the ball in the net place and everything. They're going to have to do it by collective and they've got players who don't have a great track record of being elite finishing, outside, elite finishers outside of Rubio. One player outside the projected opening day starting 11 that we need to know. Already mentioned Darren Yappi, so another one that I'll kind of put in there is Sebastian Anderson. Homegrown, outside back, he's kind of been unfortunate to be behind Keegan Rosenberry, one of the Ironman right backs of this team. Um, Sam Anderson is in the, Seb Anderson is in the final guaranteed year of his contract. It might be put up or shut up in terms of does he finally break out and prove he can be a regular MLS starter, or is he just going to be a guy on the bench? 
Keegan Rosenberry, uh, was second on the team, 2,961 minutes. That is over 400 minutes over the next, uh, the, the person in third place there. So I told you they had a lot of injuries. <laughs> <laughs> and let's uh, see one player most likely to drop outside the starting limit. Who's going to lose their job? Um, Brian Acosta, who was kind of brought in to be the Kellen Acosta replacement. There's a bunch of nuances there where they're not exactly the same player and everything, but mostly he filled in for Jack Price, who was hurt all of last year. Connor Ronan coming in, Ralph Prizzo, who's probably chomping at the bit to try and get in the starting lineup, Cole Bassett as well. A lot of other guys that I think are just better. Uh, whether or not Brian Acosta is settled being maybe the first eight or the first six off the bench, I'm not entirely sure. Um, if there's anybody to where I think there would be interest from outs from other teams in MLS that would want him, if it's very clear two months into the season that he's not going to get a whole lot of playing time, I think he's one to go there. I think all the other guys are either just too new to the Rapids or too young to where the Rapids wouldn't sell without going for top dollars. Somebody wants Cole Bassett right now, $1.5 in game minimum. Love it. Who are your biggest rivals and why? Real Salt Lake, Rocky Mountain Cup. We hate them. They hate us. Uh, we're at a higher elevation standpoint. So, Bob, they're technically the team down the mountain. <clears throat> um, and also, RSL has historically been a better team than the Rapids. They have historically dominated this rivalry as well, regardless of who's good, who's bad. And their head coach, Pablo Mastorini, used to be a head coach for the Colorado Rapids and was a longtime absolute legend, possibly one of the best players in Colorado Rapids history. Always makes for a feisty and emotionally charged dar- derby day uh, whether it's in Sandy or it's here in Colorado. Colorado and Real Salt Lake's also two of the top four teams in Major League Soccer in home field advantage. It's almost like this elevation thing means something. I should uh, pay attention to that when we're writing our sports book articles all season long. Actually, I already do, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I got I to make it sound like it's a new thing for the audience. All right, Matt Pollard from Last Word on Sports. One more time, where can we find your work? Uh, follow me on Twitter at LWS Matt Pollard. All of my general MLS content, lastwordonsports.com, and all of my rapid specific stuff at Burgundy Wave. Absolutely. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for joining us again, Matt, taking the time out of our day today. We have uh, two more videos. We're doing every Major League Soccer team, all 29. We have about 16 days until the season starts. 16? Is that is that the great countdown? I love it. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm so excited, Bob. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you at home for watching ID Sports. <laughs>